Okay, thought I'd do something a little different for the pod today and read a story. Now, this is a story from a book called Willie Ockeltabui, and the title is Willie and the Shackleton. This is a book that I wrote in 2021, and don't worry, it's only an 11-page book, and it's semi-autobiographical. It's not exactly accurate, but it's based on my experience growing up on the tiny island of Papastua from 1973 onwards. And, you know, we all have these childhood narratives, these childhood stories, and how we process them and how we remember them actually does matter. I've found through various therapeutic experiences and storytelling sessions and plant medicine journeys that it's really quite important to my current life, even though I'm now approaching 50, as to how I perceive these youthful stories. It gives a firmer foundation for who I am now as a coach, that I have come to terms with some of the childhood experiences I had. So here goes, Willie and the Shackleton. Aye, and my point is, the same is probably true for you. If you choose to go back there and revisit the stories of your childhood, I would contend it is up to you, to a great degree, how you remember them, and most importantly, what meaning you give to those stories. Part 1. Willie Ockeltabui sat on a rock, staring out to sea. The sun was attempting to shine from behind some moody clouds and the wind was fresh from the northeast. Willie had been fishing for over an hour and not one bite yet. How aggravating, he thought. Aggravating was a new word that Mrs Bunyan had taught him earlier in the day and Willie enjoyed trying out new words. They felt adventurous. Adventures were what Willie longed for. Adventure was leaving the island of Ockeltabui by aeroplane. The feeling as the pilot revved the engine and started zooming along the sheep-poo-covered island airstrip. May the adventure begin. The exact opposite of fishing on your own and catching hee-haw, actually, thought Willie. Some people, especially grown-ups, enjoy fishing because it means they get peace and quiet away from all the busy people stuff. Willie's granddad, Don, had explained to him during one of their long, rambling conversations in his garden shed. Willie wished Grandad Don was there to speak right now. The problem was, Don was hundreds of miles away in sunny Bex Hill on the south coast of England, where he'd retired. Willie liked the idea of retirement if it meant hanging out in the shed, building models and talking to Grandad. In fact, Willie felt even more lonely now that he'd thought about Grandad Don and how much he missed their shed chats. But then Willie pretty much always felt alone. The little Scottish island of Ockeltabui where Willie lived was just perfect for adventuring with friends. The problem was that with only four other children in the school, Willie was finding it hard to make friends to have adventures with. The whole feeling sad and alone and not fitting in thing had started when Willie's best friend, Alwyn, moved off the island by his mum and dad. Willie still remembered seeing Alwyn's dad, Kenneth, talking to his own parents down on the track outside their croft. It's about opportunity for the kids, Stanours, Kenneth had said in his Yorkshire accent. 
Seeing the sad look on Willie's mum's face, Alwyn's mum had joined in. Yes, I'm sorry, Anna. We just feel we've got to make the break now. Now, while Alwyn and Cammy are young enough to develop their social skills and, you know, play team sports and things. Alwyn's mother, Elizabeth, wasn't from Yorkshire. She was from the flipping middle class, or so Willie's mum would say under her breath sometimes when the mums fell out with each other. Why would anyone ever fall out with my mum? Willie wondered to himself. Hey! Willie shouted out loud as he felt the fishing line yank in his hands. Yes, got one, what is it? He yelped as he started pulling skillfully on the line. Damn it, seaweed, he muttered, gathering the weighted hook and line to hurl it back into the water. As Willie watched the weight arcing through the air and plopping into the now grey choppy sea, he noticed Johnny and Middleton in the stern of his boat, the Shackleton, on his way to the mainland. Willie waved and Johnny returned his wave. Johnny's real surname was actually Anderson, but in many Scottish islands, people use their real first name and are known by the place they live. Johnny's croft was called Middleton. Willie's surname was Brown. What a boring, boring, boring name, Willie had said to his dad, Anders, one day when trying to get a rise out of him. It had worked. Willie had been sent to the woodshed for half an hour, followed by one of dad's famous thrashings with a seriously springy wooden spoon. Oh well, you live and learn, thought Willie. He really should have known better than to challenge his father. Anders was a merchant navy veteran and Anders needs his own space since he came home, according to what Willie had overheard his Granny Mary say on more than one occasion. Granny Mary not only thought the Falklands campaign had been well worth fighting, as she was happy to tell anyone who would listen, she also loved to talk proudly about Britain's first ever lady prime minister, Margaret Thatcher. I just wonder why the so-called feminists don't seem to approve since they're meant to be all about equal rights, she would chuckle to herself darkly. Granny Mary would talk about politics when she was trying to distract Willie's mum after one of her arguments with his father. Willie's mum and dad often argued, usually about money, as far as Willie could tell, but they said darling and hugged a fair bit too, so Willie thought that that probably balanced things out. Willie wasn't too worried about money himself. In fact, he was entirely content with his 25 pence pocket money, with which he would trot round the beach to the local shop every Saturday morning. Willie was so content because he knew that 25 pence would buy him a lion bar and one packet of crisps at Bobby's shop. Actually, it was Bobby's wife, Marion, who really ran the little whitewashed cottage shop of sweeties with its amazing view of the ocean and its condensed milk, tinned pineapple, dream topping and other delights. Bobby was only three inches taller than Willie. They discovered this when Bobby had challenged him to a tall test against the shop wall and would usually come bouncing through to the shop counter if he heard Willie there. He seemed to enjoy exchanging friendly man chat with the shy 10-year-old, which dad was usually too serious to provide. Morning, Willie. Have you left your girlfriend at home today then, son? Or how's it going, Willie? Would you like to take some Smarties for free to build those man muscles of yours? Marion would stand and look a bit uncomfortable and sometimes even dare to push Bobby back into the storeroom, especially when he gave too many freebies and was in danger of blowing their day's profits. To be fair, she was right to be worried. Bobby had challenged Willie to see if he could save 10% of his pocket money and still get his lion bar and crisps. How do I do that, Bobby? Willie had asked one Saturday morning when Marion hadn't showed up to supervise Bobby. You have to pay yourself first, Willie. Pay yourself first and pay your chocolate bills later. That's the secret to being rich and driving a new Land Rover, son. If you want to free up some cash, negotiate. Willie had realised that Bobby knew what he was speaking about because his father had said Bobby must be filthy rich. He just bought a brand new Land Rover while they'd been eating a family meal. Nobody on Ockle Taboo bought new cars. Ever. 
What does negotiate mean? Willie had asked. Just give a because reason and ask to pay less, said Bobby. Willie could usually smell that Bobby had been drinking beer, but he still enjoyed their man-chat meetings and occasional bits of life wisdom because he felt properly included in grown-up conversation by Bobby. At ten years of age and five feet, two inches tall, with his lean muscles from cliff climbing and running, Willie was dying to finally become a grown-up. To be a man. Willie always felt good during his walk home from Bobby and Marion's shop. He would tingle with energy after Bobby's chat, topped off with a lion bar sugar high. This is like heaven, he often thought. Heaven, now there was a strange idea. Willie didn't know what he thought about heaven and hell yet. Willie's mum and dad had recently given their lives to Jesus and spoke about heaven and hell all the time as if they were real places, but Willie wasn't so sure. It was late summer, but it started to rain. And the wind was really getting up now. It had to be at least a force seven, if not an eight. And Willie wound up his fishing line and ran home. He enjoyed the force of the wind as it drove the stinging rain into his face, soaking his scruffy brown home-cut hair and allowing him to really feel something and fight against something. Running was one sport Willie was pretty good at, probably because with no friends to play team sports with, it was pretty much his only sport. When he said he was good at it, he wasn't really sure because the one time he and the other four pupils at Ockeltabui School had been booked to attend the mainland games to compete against the other islanders, a steaming northwesterly Force 10 gale had blown in. Johnny O'Middleton had had to make the sad call that it was too windy for his 24-foot clinker-built ferryboat, the Shackleton, to sail to the mainland. Judging by the chill wind blowing through the house when Willie got home, both front and back doors had been left open. There was no sign of his mother or father. Then he heard their raised voices. Happily, they weren't yelling at each other, and the accompanying sounds of a tambourine suggested they were singing a worship song to Jesus, or singing to Jebus, as Willie's older brother Thomas had slyly remarked to him, trying to get Willie to say it wrongly and earn himself another one of Anders' wooden spoon whacking sessions. Before bed, Willie and his parents ate a difficult-to-swallow dinner of millet and mackerel. Don't ask what it is, just damn well eat it, Anders Brown had exploded. Willie was amazed that the love of Jesus Dad had been singing about not an hour before seemed to have run right out already. <laughs> Pretty much all parents try their best, but they're only human, so they do make plenty of mistakes, Granny Mary had told him on one of their summer holiday cliffside walks. One thing Willie knew his mum and dad really did a good job at was showing they loved him by reading him a bedtime story every night. At the moment, it was The Lord of the Rings by J.R.R. Tolkien, and Willie was instantly transported to the land of elves, dragons, and trolls before a quick recital of the Lord's Prayer to keep God from smiting anyone he cared about. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Willie had been reading some Old Testament Bible recently after 8pm lights out when the power generator was switched off. As the diesel generator and engine noise died away, Willie would hide under his duvet and read on into the night using his torch. After a few nights of this, he was starting to worry that God and hell might just be real. This feeling was especially strong when it was dark and the wind was howling outside his croft house window. Willie tucked his Bible back under the pillow, nestling it alongside his Oppenel hunting knife, which he kept there just in case of emergency. The last sound Willie heard as he drifted away to sleep was dripping water from the leak at the top of the roof. Oh my, he thought, it must be gusting over Force 10. This new bit of the house only leaks in a Force 10 or more, Dad says. Willie, Willie, wake up, Willie. 
His mum was shaking him awake, which was strange because she never usually needed to wake Willie up at all. He usually woke up hungry at four in the morning and ate the bowl of oats with dark brown sugar and raisins that his mum always made for him the night before. Only then could Willie settle to sleep and get up, full of energy at seven, without any alarm or wake-up call. "'What's happening, mummy?' asked Willie. He still said the more childish mummy when he was tired, ill or upset, but he wouldn't have wanted anyone else to know. Real men do not say mummy. "'There's a helicopter circling the island, Willie. I thought you'd want to watch.' Helicopters were an exciting part of the big fresh world outside of Ockeltabui, and Willie was indeed completely delighted to be awoken to such news. He leapt out of bed and ran outside to watch as a large red and white helicopter circled and wheeled like a huge sea dragon. Then finally it dipped beyond the hills, behind Willie's fishing spot of the previous afternoon. The sea was flat as a mirror, and it was hard to believe that the gale had been real at all. Had Willie dreamed the whole thing? No, he'd been fishing when the wind had started to get up, and he'd seen Johnny steam past in the Shackleton as white wave caps had started breaking and blowing spray. As he thought this, a huge dark curved fin came out of the glassy smooth water, then another, and then two more. Then the four killer whales swept around Willie's family's little boat where she sat at anchor and disappeared out of the bay. Chasing a school of mackerel, I suppose. They are welcome to them and they could take any millet mum has left over too, thought Willie to himself angrily. What's the helicopter doing, Dad? asked Willie excitedly as Anders Brown came striding up the track from where he'd been hastily parking the tractor. That massive Ferguson 35 was Anders' pride and joy and he kept promising to teach Willie how to drive it. This seemed less likely now than ever, though, because the previous week, Dad had somehow managed to run himself over with the tractor, his leg only saved from breaking due to the soft ground and half a flat rear tyre, as he had told Mum in a slightly shaky voice. Even a veteran finds a couple of tons of tractor to be a shock then, eh? Willie's mum had said kindly, giving Anders a great big hug. Then she had turned and warned Willie at the same time, saying, Promise me you'll keep away from the tractor until you're at least twelve, Willie. Okay? Promise? Yes, Mom, Willie had responded, thinking, can lies send me to hell? That's a Coast Guard rescue helicopter, Willie. The Shackleton is missing, said Dad quietly. But but, but she's not missing, Dad. What do you mean, Willie? Spit it out, son. This is serious. Well, she can't be missing. When I was fishing yesterday afternoon about five o'clock, I waved at Johnny Middleton as he drove by in the Shackleton. It looked like he was heading to the mainland. Anders Brown looked thoughtful. Thanks, son. I'd better call the Coast Guard. Part 3 An hour later, when the helicopter excitement had faded, Willie was enjoying some quiet revenge over his annoying older brother, Thomas. Thomas was away at the high school on the mainland and couldn't stop him. So Willie was listening to his music collection. That would have really enraged Thomas if he'd known. And this made Willie quietly satisfied, even though most of the music wasn't really his thing. Status quo. What did that even mean? Willie's mum called him through to the old croft kitchen, and as Willie came tripping in happily, he instantly knew something was wrong. He could tell by the grim look on Dad's face and the tears running down his mum's as she started to speak. Willie, something terrible happened last night. The Shackleton went aground in the dark. Someone died, and although it was a grown-up, I know you really like him, so... Her voice trailed away, and his dad took over. I'm sorry, son. It was Bobby from the shop. They think he was disorientated in the dark and swam in the wrong direction, out to sea instead of towards the land. He didn't make it. But, but, it couldn't have been Bobby, Dad. There must be a mistake. I saw Johnny in the Shackleton, Willie said firmly, and then realised he was crying. He didn't mean to. 
it was just welling up behind his eyes. And he felt his chest tighten up and a deep, low-down pain in his stomach. He felt sick and he certainly didn't feel very manly. We'll find out more details as time goes on, son. I'm sorry. Now, would you like to come and help me sort the wheel on the tractor just now? Willie turned and ran from the kitchen. He grabbed his rubber boots and sprinted out into the field behind his house. Having climbed the hill at a good healthy running pace considering his heavy boots, Willie reached the hilltop and threw himself to the ground out out of sight of the house. He stared out at the grey sea and the tiny lighthouse on the far horizon miles into the Atlantic Ocean. No, it's a lie. It can't be Bobby, he sobbed. Willie stayed there, staring out to sea until lunchtime when his grumbling tummy brought him slowly back down the hill and into the waiting arms of his mummy. A week later, Willie travelled to the mainland with his father Anders and the other men from the island of Okultabui. This was to be Willie's first ever funeral and he was scared and excited all at once. He had on his best clothes, hand-me-downs from Thomas, of which he was especially proud. He stood beside his father and they both watched respectfully as Bobby's wooden coffin was lowered down into the ground. Willie Okultabui felt sad and thoughtful and when he looked at his dad, he saw tears rolling down his cheeks. Real men can still cry, he thought. His dad gave him a rare, reassuring hug around the shoulders as they turned and followed the other mourners towards the wake. On the newly hired ferry boat, on the way home, Willie found out what had really happened that night and how the Shackleton had foundered, with terrible results for Bobby. He wasn't meant to hear this, he was sure of that, but as menfolk stood around behind the boat wheelhouse, sheltering from the wind and spray, smoking their roll-up cigarettes and cursing, the real story came out. Bobby had fallen out with his wife, Mary, and he'd start drinking beer at lunchtime. This was the day Willie had seen the Shackleton sail past. Bobby had been drinking all afternoon, and he'd run out of beer he kept in the back store of the shop, and he'd decided to borrow Johnny's ferry boat to sail to the mainland and fetch more beer. Strangely, Bobby hadn't thought to ask Johnny's permission <laughs> to borrow the Shackleton, so Johnny had been hopping mad all evening and had eventually called out the Coast Guard in the early hours of the next day. They had spotted the shipwrecked Shackleton from the air and then found Bobby. From the day of Bobby's funeral, Willie's dad always treated him as an equal, man to man. I have to re-record this bit. (laughs) From the day of Bobby's funeral, Willie's dad always treated him as an equal, man to man. Never again hit him with a wooden spoon or anything else for that matter. And on this particular sunny day, Willie was turning 11. And his birthday present from his dad was a day of learning to drive the tractor. The first place he was driving it was round to Marion and Bobby's shop with his 25 pence pocket money safely stowed in the tractor's toolbox. Dad standing up behind him, gripping onto the mudguards, Willie steered and worked the gears like a professional. Although the lion bar and crisps awaited him, he knew deep down that the time spent with his dad was better than chocolate. Dad, I really miss Bobby. Dad, I really miss Bobby, Willie shouted over the roar of the tractor. So do I, son, said his dad. So do I. Bobby was actually called Billy. Billy Tullock. And I'm going to have to edit out all the uh, breaks in this recording. (laughs) Because the thing about Billy was, he was the local guy who put out the bat signal the call to bring new people to the island in the early 70s and that's when us lot arrived all the uh hippie families from all over and so papa stewart ended up with a wee hippie community on it which lasted quite a few years my parents are the only ones still left in well into their 70s now on our 
Organic Croft, which they still run. We've run it as a drug rehab over the years and the little hut that they took across that they began life in there. And I was born in in 1973, still remains and is still a haven, a welcoming place for visitors. But yeah, Billy is Bobby and it's basically a true story. My dad isn't a veteran, but he was in the Merchant Navy for a while. And um, my best friend, Alan, not Alwyn, did leave the island when I was fairly young. Still in touch with him. He's a Buddhist monk now. And uh, yeah, how these stories from my own childhood are processed um, are really helpful to me in terms of my own feelings about the island now. A place of welcome, which mum and dad have, have kind of built on Billy's legacy in my mind, and I would love to build on into the future. So watch this space. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you on a future, probably more cheerful episode of Hippie Hut Podcast. 